When our daughter Ellen was very little, we used to read to her out of a beautifully illustrated children's Bible. Ellen loved the pictures, and it especially of Jesus, that showed him as gentle and caring, preaching and teaching and healing. There was one picture of Jesus holding a child on his lap with his head thrown back, laughing, and the child in his lap was laughing too. And then there was another picture that Ellen especially loved where Jesus was portrayed as healing a man. He had his arms around him in a sort of a hug, and the artist had depicted the most beautiful expression on his face of deep love and empathy. So we felt good about reading that Bible with Ellen. We thought that by teaching her those stories and having her look at those pictures, that she was learning that Jesus was loving and forgiving and kind, that he had a special place in his heart for little children like her, that he was the ultimate healer. And, well, at the same time, we felt in this wonderful way she was learning the same thing about God, of course, that, that God is loving and forgiving and kind, and that God has a special place in his kingdom for us, and that God is the ultimate healer. And then the day came that we were sitting in church together, and they read the scripture, and I could see on Ellen's face that for the very first time, she was comprehending the totality of what had happened to Jesus. That this one she was learning to love, who was so forgiving and gentle and kind, this one who loved little children and healed people, had also been arrested and tried and convicted and mocked and spat upon and executed. That he had developed a following and that threatened the people in power. And so they conspired against him and they eventually put him to death on a cross. Parents, I don't know if you've ever had that sort of experience with your child when you've seen that they they finally understand that, but I will never forget the look on my gentle daughter's face when that dawned on her. I could tell she was really upset. So in the car on the way home from church, Tripp and I tried to talk to her about it, but she didn't want to talk about it. She kept saying, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like that part, she said over and over again. I don't like that part. She just wanted to skip it. Now, of course, as Ellen's grown older, she's come to understand that we can't skip that part, that we must talk about the cross. But my friends, there are folks who are adult people who hear the story of Jesus, and they love those stories where he is so gentle and kind and, and heals people, but when they, they hear the part about the cross, they don't like it either. It's upsetting to them. They have the same sort of reaction that our daughter did. They'd rather just skip that part. And so sometimes they do. Several years ago, I, I read an article about a college professor who invited her students as a class project to invent a religion. I think this was a philosophy class, so it was sort of an exercise along those lines. And, and she said to them, you know, just use your imagination, create a religion that means something to you, and then write a paper about it. And the results were fascinating. Across the board, 
the religions that these students imagined were very individualistic and focused on self-empowerment. In some cases, it was obvious that they had sort of gleaned from a bunch of different world religions, you know, just a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then they put it together in a stew and added some humanism on the top and called it a day. But I'll tell you what was not in a single one of them, a cross. Not a single one of them included a cross. And you know that there are churches across our country today that don't have a cross on the outside or on the inside, and that's by design. They say, well, the cross, it's just too depressing, you know, too violent, too intimidating. People today want really, you know, want to associate themselves with positive symbols. They don't want to associate themselves with a group that lifts up a symbol like that. Better to fill the seats and just leave out the cross. But the Apostle Paul said, I can't do that. He said, I can't do that. I have to preach the cross. Even if the world doesn't understand it, I must preach the truth that I know, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, when Paul arrived at Corinth, he said that he was really shaken up, that he was weak. That's the word he used. He said he was weak. You see, he had just come from Athens, which scholars tell us was the cultural center of the Greek world. Athens was a very sophisticated city where people put a lot of stock in knowledge. They love philosophy. Many of the great schools of philosophy were centered there. People love logic. They would debate it in the streets and into that environment, into this sophisticated city of high culture, comes the Apostle Paul preaching the cross, preaching Christ and him crucified, and they laughed him out of town. Paul, you have got to be kidding me. Are you kidding? None of this makes any sense. A crucified Messiah? What does that mean anyway? Step back, put those words together, crucified and Messiah. How does that even fit? It's not logical, Paul. It doesn't make any sense. And this Jesus of Nazareth you're, you're talking about, he went to Jerusalem, right? After he developed a following, didn't he know? Everybody knows that the Romans don't take that sort of thing lightly, that he could end up executed? Didn't he know about the threats in advance? Didn't all of his followers run away and save themselves? Why did he not run away? Why didn't he save himself? That doesn't make any sense. And to top it all off, you're telling us that this tool of execution this cross of wood, that that's not a symbol of failure and weakness, but that it actually reveals the power of your God. Paul, that, that makes no sense. Paul, you are a fool. 
Friends, given all of this, why did Paul insist on preaching the cross? After all, he admits it's a stumbling block to most people. Why didn't he just preach the loving, gentle, kind stories about Jesus? Or why didn't he just skip the cross, just go straight to the resurrection, to the glory and the power and eternal life? Why? Why did he preach the cross? Didn't he want to be popular? Didn't he want to plant successful churches and grow them really big? Didn't he want to develop a following? Why in the world was he so bent on preaching the cross? Well, friends, I think there are two reasons. And the first is that we need the cross to remind us that Christianity is not a self-improvement program. Christianity is not a self-improvement program. It's not a philosophy that we adopt so that we can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's not a way so that, that we can be the best that we can be. It's not a vehicle to accumulate material wealth or achieve success on the world's terms. And it's not a reward system where we bargain with God and say that we will engage in good and moral behavior and then we figure God's going to owe us and will give us what we want. Now, look, I know there are plenty of folks who disagree with me on this. If you walk out the door, you probably don't have to go far to find a preacher that will tell you that if you give God a dime, he's going to turn around and pass you a dollar. And there are sermon series preached every year on Christianity as a self-improvement program. New year, new you sort of thing. And there are, are plenty, plenty of folks who will tell you things like Jesus gives really great tips for success in business. I've seen books about things like that. Oh my goodness, friends. The last I checked, the very definition of sin is making everything about us and what we can get out of it. You see, the focus of Christianity is God and Jesus Christ. And the aim of Christianity is for us to follow Jesus as his disciples, to live into our beliefs. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his grace, we are formed over the course of a lifetime, changed to be more and more like him. That's what it's about. That's what the cross reminds us of. But the cross also reminds us that that necessarily involves taking up a cross ourselves. That being a Christian is not all sunshine and rainbows. That being a follower of Jesus can cost us something can even involve suffering and sacrifice. And I know that you're aware of that. You know what I mean. For example, if out of your Christian identity, you consistently make decisions that put people over money and power, that's not gonna make you popular. You could lose some friends that way. Likewise, if 
out of your Christian identity, your conviction that our God is generous, and so we are thus called to be generous too. You give of your time, your talents, your financial resources, rather than hoarding those things for yourself, that's not going to make you popular either. There may be some folks that would call you a fool. And then, of course, there's uh, getting involved in the lives of others. If you take Matthew 25 seriously, and you study that passage, and you listen to God speak in and through it, and you understand that indeed we are all our brother's keeper. And you know then that you can't just stand on the sidelines. You know, you can't just mind your own business, take care of your own, but that Jesus calls you out into the world to love and serve in his name to love your neighbor as yourself. If you live into that, there are going to be people who don't agree with you and will push back hard. Again, it's not going to make you popular. It might really cost you something. But beyond all of that, we all know, we have brothers and sisters all over the world who have paid the ultimate price for their determination to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, to live out his command to love our neighbors as ourselves, they've paid with their lives. They've refused to deny their Savior, and they have made the ultimate sacrifice. Friends, the cross, the cross is necessary. It reminds us that Christianity is about God and Jesus Christ first. And it reminds us that our aim is to be faithful disciples who grow more and more to be like him. But I think the primary reason that Paul insisted on preaching the cross, Jesus Christ and him crucified, was because the cross, the cross tells us who God is and what God is like and how God relates to us. You see, the cross tells us that, that God is not divorced from humanness, from our brokenness, that, that our God isn't just out there somewhere, like up in the sky, dispassionately watching us like we're ants and shaking the divine head as we make the mistakes. The cross tells us that our God loves us so much that he came to live among us as one of us, would not allow anything to keep us apart, lived our whole human experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it, and was willing then to suffer and bleed and die a most human death. The cross tells us that God identifies with our humanity and with our suffering and comes to us in the midst of it and will never, ever, ever let us go. Not even death can rip us from his arms. The cross tells us that. I'll close with this. 
Some of you may remember the film The Last Temptation of Christ. Do you remember when that movie came out? It was a long time ago. Very, very controversial film. Very controversial film. Um, when it came out, it, it, it generated a lot of anger and fear. Um, there were boycotts of the movie all over the country. Well, in the film, Jesus is portrayed as coming into Jerusalem during the final week of his life and then stepping back to mull over his choices. He can see the cross in front of him. He knows he's going to be executed and it's going to be horrible. So he says to himself, I, I don't have to do this. I don't have to go through all this pain and suffering. I don't have to die like this. I could, I could leave. I could go home. I could go back to Nazareth. I could, I could marry. I could have a family. I, I could go back to carpentry. I could avoid all of this if I wanted to. But, friends, if he had done that, if he had just turned and gone home, and married and had a family and lived like the rest of us, then we could not sing what a friend we have in Jesus. He could have done it. He could have avoided the pain and the suffering and the death, but he chose to go to the cross. Foolishness, says the world. Oh, but to those who are being saved, says Paul reveals the power of God. I must preach this, says Paul. And friends, so do we. So do we. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for the cross and what it means. It shows the depth of your love for us and calls us to a higher way of living as your disciples to live and love in your holy name. Lord, let us be faithful to it, to lift it high, keep it before us each day. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.